Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Right? Why are symptoms so effective to some people? Because you can feel them. You know, you cannot feel necessarily right now the Word working in you. But it is. Why? Because you're committed to it. But if you have pain in your body, you can feel that. And so the enemy's right here saying, if you were better, you wouldn't have any pain. What's he trying to do? Separate you from the Word. He wants it to come out of your mouth. Maybe I'm not healed. Maybe I'm not better. Well, the moment you did that, you separated yourself from the Word because you you decommitted to the Word. You're committed to the Word. Amen. Say out loud, I'm committed to the Word. Because the level of commitment that you give to the Word determines the level of production that comes from the Word. And maximum result from the word from the word requires a hundred percent commitment to the word. Now remember, you're committed to the word. That doesn't mean that you don't go to the doctor or you don't get physical help. It means you're committed to the word. I'm I'm not going to the doctor for them to make me well. They can't make me well. Only the word can make me well. But maybe they can help me while the word's making me well. But you're committed to the Word. Every day of the world, I thank the Lord. Thank you for healing my daughter. Thank you for healing Liliana. And I'll tell him, Lord, now I'm going to remind you, and, and, and I know I tell you this every day, the doctors did their part, but you healed her. You healed her, and I thank you that you healed her. Amen. See, here's the thing. People will say, what is that? That's commitment to the Word. God, you did that. Your Word did that. Right? Amen. The enemy, and uh, well, let me say this. The mindset of the believer fully committed to the word is what does the word say? That's the mindset of the believer. What does the word say? Right? I, I ministered a series on that. What does the word say? That, that, that's the answer. But what does the word say? But they say it's going to go this way. Well, what does the word say? See, that's what you always revert back to because you're committed to the word. You know, to, to, to commit to the Word is to access the power of God in your life. Because, because you can't separate God and His Word. And you'll never have more honor for God than you do for His Word. All right? You honor them because when you're in the presence of the Word, you're in the presence of God. Because they're one and the same. And so that, you understand? And so the, 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 when you're in the presence of the Word, you not only, when people say, well, I have God's Word on it, and what they mean is they see it in the Bible and, and they hope they can get God to do it. If you have God's Word on it, it's already done. And He gave you His Word to tell you what's already done. See, He put it in the Word. He said in Isaiah 53 and 5, He said, with His stripes you are healed. He said in 1 Peter 2.24, with his stripes, you were healed. Yeah. 
right? So he wrote it in Isaiah to tell us what we have, what is ours, and he wrote it in First in Peter to tell us what's already been done. So does that make sense? And so it's in the Word to tell me what's already mine. So this, this is God's Word in its completed form. Every promise is finished. It may not be functioning in the believer's life, but it's done. It's paid for. It cannot be a promise if it's not paid for. Does that make sense? Because a promise, when, when we talk about a promise, it's not a promise like, like many think today. Well, they promised me they would be here, meaning they might or they might not. But the Bible says that when God made a promise that he swore an oath by himself, he put himself on the line. So when, when you think about the word promise, the word promise is not something you will do. It's something that you will stand by. If you made a promise, it means two things. It means you can, you can produce what you promised and you'll stand by your promise. Amen. When, for instance, when, when God appeared to, now we're going to get to Mark 6, bear with me. When God appeared to Abraham, now, now think about this, because we got to think about in, in these, these terms. God came to a situation that, that from the beginning was impossible. All right? Not so much on Abraham's side because we, we can see from the scripture that Abraham was uh, uh, capable of having a fathering a child because he, he fathered a child with Hagar. But Sarah had always been barren. There was not a day in her life that she wasn't barren. She never could have children. So from the beginning, it's impossible. But yet God comes and he says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Right? Amen. And, and then he says, and uh, uh, Sarah is who the promised seed is going to come through. Yeah. Okay, great. So he waits until Abraham is past the age of fathering a child, and he talks to him about you're going to father a child with a woman who's never been able to have a child. Yeah. Remember Romans 4? It says, uh, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead... And calls those things that be not as though they were. He gives life to the dead. So he gave life to Abraham's dead body. He gave life to Sarah's dead body. And, and how, did, how did that happen? He called things that were not as though they were. And what was Abraham's part? Commitment to the word. Genesis chapter 15, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm your shield, your exceeding great reward. Walk before me, be perfect. Abraham said, what could you possibly give me seeing I'm still childless? And this Eliezer of Damascus is going to be my heir. And God said, this will not be your heir, but one that comes out of your own body will be your heir. Here's the answer. And Abraham believed God. Amen. That, that was the turning point. Because Abraham took God at his word. That's, that's commitment to the word. And we don't know what they said. We don't know what they did in their daily life. We can ascertain maybe by what we believe. But what we do know is the Bible says, the Bible tells us in two instances in Hebrews 11 how that worked. 
in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So she looked at the promise of God and said, he will not break his word. He'll be faithful to what he said. And what happened? Strength came into her body and she was able to have a child. Glory to God. Amen. And, and it shows us Abraham's thought because he took Isaac to, the, to Mount Moriah when Isaac was 18 years old to offer him on an altar to God. And it said he came to this conclusion that if God had to raise him from the dead, he would raise him from the dead to what? To keep his word. So he was committed to what God had said. God had said through Isaac will your seed be called. Well, if Isaac's dead, the seed can't be called through Isaac. There is no other seed. Abraham had already told God, I wish Ishmael would live before you. And God said, I'm going to bless him, but Isaac is the promised seed. So Abraham took his son, bound him, put him on an altar out of a commitment to God's word. When you commit to the word of God, everything that God promised lines up. I got to commit to the word. God said it, so that's how it's going to be. Well, my child isn't acting right. God didn't say anything about them not acting right. He said, in result, they'll serve me. That's it. Now you commit to that. Amen. Glory to God. I don't know how we got off on all that, but thank the Lord. <laughs> so do, do, do you see that? So if you understand that the enemy has one aim, and that's to separate you from the Word. Understand, if he can't separate you from the Word, there's nothing he can do. Because, because he has no defense against the Word. None. That's, that's just the reality. Well, you, you know, I'm, I'm standing and the devil's fighting. Well, that's irrelevant. That's what he does. He fights the word. The, the fight is irrelevant. You've already won. I mean, think about that. You, you've already won. If Listen, if, if somebody gave you a million dollars and you've got it deposited in your bank account and somebody comes along and says, you don't have a million dollars, it's irrelevant. You got the money in the bank. Right? I've already got the, the finances in the bank. I've, I've already, they've already been given to me. Every promise that God made to you is already in your reserves. It's already there. All I got to do is take the word of God and receive it. Nothing the devil can do about it. He can't stop you from receiving. Can't stop you from receiving. The devil can't, and we'll talk about this probably more Sunday morning. He can't just take the word. People say, well, the devil came and just stole the word. He can't. He can't just steal the word. You got to give it up. He can't steal it. Amen. Listen, I know this. I know this. You cannot take anything from me that I won't let you take. Amen. Mark, Mark, Mark chapter 6, verse 2. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, Jesus, and many hearing him were astonished saying, where does this man have these things, and what wisdom is this which is given to him, that even such mighty works 
or wrought by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. They were offended at him. One, one, one definition of offended is separated. They were separated from him. Now notice, but Jesus said, A prophet's not without honor in his own, but in his own country, among his own kid, in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and went around about the village's teaching. Now, I want you to see the key phrase here is their unbelief. So the answer to the question then is, what stopped them from receiving maximum results from the Word? Jesus is the Word. What stopped them? Their unbelief. Their unbelief. So notice the Word could not work, and He could there do no mighty work. You know, there's still this mistaken mindset in religious circles that God can do whatever He wants. No, He can't. Because Jesus is God in the flesh and he couldn't do mighty works, any many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, what, what I want you to see is that the mighty works were limited. Notice the word couldn't work. The word cannot work in an atmosphere void of commitment to it. Hallelujah. Pastor Michelle and I made, up, made a decision years ago. If we find it in the word, that settles it. That's it. then we make a decision of quality that we're going to do what that says. Amen. Amen. When we we saw in the word clearly about tithing, that settled it. There was no more question. That's what we're going to do. Amen. When we saw in the word about sowing and reaping, that's it. That's how we're going to live is by seed time and harvest. That settles the issue. Amen. Amen. And I've had people say, that's an extreme standpoint. Yeah, but the Word works extremely well for us. If you want the Word to work extremely well, you've got to be extreme with the Word. Amen. Am I helping you? So the mighty works were limited. He was able to do a few mighty works. See, people will say he didn't do mighty works. Well, but read the Scripture. It says he could do there no mighty works save. So that means except. There was no mighty work except he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. These are very sick people. People that are without power, without strength. They can't help themselves. And he healed them. So there were a few that he could heal. But remember all the the instances we have when multitudes were healed? Innumerable amounts of people and it says he healed them all. Well, how could he heal all of those people? They agreed with him. They committed to the word. Amen. Amen. So the indication is this. Some of the people who doubted Jesus were the very people who needed to be helped the most. See, your circumstance, it can be dire. And if you're not careful, you can allow that circumstance to cause you to separate from the word. Amen. This is just too much. No, no, it's not. Notice, Jesus went about teaching the word. Verse 6, he marveled because of their unbelief and went about teaching the word. So the answer to unbelief is the word. If there's unbelief, we need the word. 
Hallelujah. Now verse, verse 7 of the same chapter. And he called unto him the twelve. And began to send them forth two by two and gave them power. The word is authority over unclean spirits. Now notice, he gave them authority. So who did he give authority to? Them, the disciples. They were given power over unclean spirits. Luke 10, 19 says they were given power over all the power of the enemy. Is that right? See, the word will only work to the level you commit to it. The disciples' responsibilities was to commit to what Jesus said they had. Take this for instance. How many believers do you know that know that the scriptures in the Bible resist the devil and he'll flee from you? And yet they'll say, the devil just won't leave me alone. Scripture says resist him, he'll flee. Well, I did and he didn't leave. Well, somebody's lying. I choose you. Because it's not the word. This is absolute truth. Think about this. If you're committed to the word and you resisted the devil, what happened? If you're committed to the word, what happened? He left. Amen. Do you see that? You can't let the enemy trying to linger stop you from being committed to what the word said. Amen. Now, hallelujah. Verse 47 of the the same chapter. When evening was coming, now this is after Jesus had fed the 5,000 and he had went up on a mountain to pray and he looked down and could see the Sea of Galilee. Verse 47, when evening was come, the ship was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land and he saw them toiling in rowing For the wind was contrary to them, and about the fourth watch of the night, he comes to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it's me, don't be afraid. Now Mark skips completely over Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water, but this was the same incident. And he went up unto them, up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure. Notice this. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Their heart was hardened. Their heart was hardened. We see the answer here as to why they did nothing when the storm arose. Now, we read it just a moment ago. He gave them authority. And the storm arose, and they did nothing. Notice what they did. They toiled. They tried to row harder. They tried to work harder. They had authority over that storm. And they did nothing. Why? Their heart was hardened. Their heart was hardened. See, sometimes when we think hard heart, we think somebody that's hard to the gospel, somebody that's hard to the things of God, somebody that doesn't want to serve God. You can become hard-hearted to the Word. You can become hard-hearted to what the Word says. 
Now, they had already been given authority over all the power of the enemy. And Jesus had already demonstrated the authority that they had been given. When, when you look at uh, Mark chapter 4, 39 and 40, He arose and rebuked the wind, said to the sea, Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And He said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Well, what did they not have faith in? Their authority. Why did they not have faith in their authority? Their heart was hardened. Hallelujah. So Jesus had demonstrated how to respond to the storm, yet they didn't respond that way. And Scripture says, notice, it says, they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. So they had just seen an outstanding miracle, and yet they didn't believe. Well, why? Their heart was hardened. Their heart was dulled. Their their heart was calloused. See, your heart doesn't just become hardened against the Word. You have to allow it. Doesn't just happen. You got to let it get hard against the word. That's that's why we teach. It's God's never the problem. God is never the problem. God never does anything bad. God never does anything wrong. God never does anything unjust. When you keep that in your mind that God is always good, God is always on my side. God is always love. God is always right. That keeps your heart from getting hardened against God. Because why? You're always on his side. You're committed to the word. And your mindset is if the word won't get it, I don't need it. But I'm committed to the word. Amen. In, uh, in uh, Mark chapter 8, we'll come back to Mark 6. In Mark chapter 8, verse 15, Jesus was talking to the disciples. This is uh, uh, after he had fed the 4,000. And they didn't bring any bread in the boat. And Jesus told them to be uh, uh, watch for the leaven of the Pharisees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it's because we have no bread. And Jesus said, why do you reason because you have no bread? Now watch. Do you not perceive yet or understand? Have, your, have ye your heart still hardened? Just, just the, the two chapters before, it says they couldn't see it because their heart was hardened. And now Jesus is saying, is your heart still hard? This is the second fantastic miracle you've seen in as many days. And is your heart still hardened? What, what keeps your heart supple to the word of God is always remembering what God has done for you. Always remembering where God brought you from. How you faced something a month ago and the word works, so the word will work again. Right? Because the enemy will use that. Well, I know that happened, but you know, maybe that was just a, you know, maybe that was an anomaly. It might not happen this time. No, 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 no. If I do the same thing I did then, I'll get the same results today. I'm not going to let my heart hardened against the word. Not going to do it. Amen. See, this, this, this is so important. He said they had a hard heart. They had blind eyes, they had deaf ears, and no understanding. Notice verse 21. How is it you don't understand? Hallelujah. Do you see that? I've had to ask myself that. Okay, Philip, why aren't you getting this? Because it's not God. He's not keeping anything hidden. 
He said in Mark chapter 4, there's nothing hidden that won't be revealed where the word's concerned. But he said, and we'll, we'll probably talk about this Sunday morning, but he said the measure of thought and attention you give to the words you hear determines how much it comes back to you. Right? So you don't want your heart to be hardened against the word. Well, I was believing God and this didn't happen. It's not God's fault. Don't, don't put God in, in that box. Your heart will get hardened against the word. And people will say, well, you know, I got hurt in the church. No, their heart got hardened against the word in the church. You understand? I've had people say, well, that, that, that pastor offended me. Or the word offended you. If you're committed to the word, you won't be offended. It was kind of quiet when I said that. If you're committed to the word, you don't get offended at people. Because I'm committed to the word. Amen. One of the scriptures I, I try to go over in my prayer time every day is, is, is in the, the book of Philippians where it says, I stand complete in the love of God and, and I'm not standing in the spirit of offense. I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. I'm not going to be offended. Right? Because offended is separated. When, when I get offended, I separate from the person and I separate from the word. And then my heart starts getting hard. Amen. People will say, well, that guy got hurt in church and backslid. No, he got offended in church and backslid. Now, people, pe listen, there, there are people that hurt people, and I understand that. But your job is even if somebody hurts you, you don't get offended. Because that stops the, the word can work through your hurt, but it cannot work through your offense. If you get offended, you stop the working of the word. We know that from Mark chapter 4. It says that there were people that were working the word and when certain things happened, that immediately they were offended and the word stopped working. Amen. So your heart doesn't just become hardened against the word. You've got to allow it. And Jesus said, how is it that you don't understand? That's the goal of the enemy is to, to make sure you don't understand the Word. Matthew 13, 19 says that the enemy can steal the Word from somebody that doesn't understand. Amen. So, notice this. They saw these miracles, but understand that miracles don't produce faith. Faith produces miracles. And the Word produces faith. So word, faith, results. That's always the order. The word, then faith, then results. That's why I kind of I shy away from some statements I hear people make. Because people say, well, you know, if he did it for Michelle, he'll do it for me. Not necessarily. He wants, if he did it for Michelle, he wants to do it for you. But here's the thing. What did Michelle do to get that result? Have you ever thought about how you should ask that question? Hey, I saw that, that victory you got in your life. How did you get that? What did you do? You're not looking for a formula. You're, you're looking for how, how did that occur? 
Because it's, it's not enough to just say, well, if, if he did it for her, he'll do it for me. Not necessarily. That's like looking at somebody that's been married 50 years and say, well, they've been married 50 years, so I can be married 50 years. Not necessarily. Not if you're not willing to do what they did. I'm married 30 years this year, and I can tell you that it takes a lot of forgiveness on my wife's part. <laughs> Amen. Right? It, it, right? It, 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 takes, it takes a lot of taking the low road, doesn't it? It takes a lot of understanding, communication. Right? What's it take? Commitment to the marriage. I'm committed to the marriage. I'm committed to the word. I'm not going to let my heart get hard against the word. Amen. The storm simply exposed where the disciples were at. Understand, when you face a challenge, one of two things will be exposed. How committed you are to the word or how hard your heart is to the word. That's, that's the issue. You see, right? I've had people say that. That challenge came to that guy and he just fell apart. Well, that's where he was. He had not dug deep. He had not dug and, and built his house on the rock. He may have known the right things to say. He may have known where the scriptures were. But you can memorize scriptures here and never get it here. And if it doesn't get from here to here, you don't have any stability. This is the stability, not this. That's why doubt can be raging up here, but your heart be full of faith. And you'll overcome that doubt because your heart's full of faith. Amen. Well, I've been confessing. Listen, confession doesn't mean anything if you're not committed to the word you're confessing. Confession is not a magic charm. You say it enough for enough days and you get something. You got to be committed to what you're confessing. You're confessing that you're the healed of the Lord because you're committed to the fact that he said, I am the Lord, your healer. I'm the God that heals you. And so you're confessing that I'm the healed of the Lord because he said, I'm the God that heals you. You're not trying to make something happen through your confession. You're confessing what's already happened. Amen. Glory be to God. So you need to confess the word every day because you believe that that's already occurred in your life. Amen. Because I've, I've watched people over the years and they'll say, well, I've been confessing the word. Here's, here's, this is what that's code for. I've been confessing the word and it's not working. I, I, listen, I declare to you that if you're working the word, the word's always working. What, what does the scripture say about the man that so, he said, the kingdom of heaven is as if a man should put seed in a field. And he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed is growing, and he don't know how. What's the indication? While he's asleep, the seed's growing. While he's up, the seed's growing. When he goes back to bed, the seed's growing. What is the seed the symbol of? The Word of God. So how often is the Word working? All the time. Right? And, no, and the word will never stop working for me if I don't pull it up. 
If I don't go pull the seed of the word up with my words, the word's always working. Amen. So what you said yesterday about your problem that you're dealing with, the word is working on it right now. Amen. When you go to bed tonight and you cast all your cares on God about whatever the situation is and you declare, I'm going to lay me down and I'm going to sleep for he gives his beloved slumber and you're declaring that, well, the problem's still there, but there's a barrier between you and the problem. It's called the word of God and your commitment to the word of God is causing the word to work on that problem while you're asleep and you may just get up in the morning without that problem anymore. Because you're committed to the word. You're committed to the word. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. See, the word is so supernatural that it will reproduce itself in your life when you commit to it. It replicates in your life when you commit to it. And so when you say, we've been using healing, I'm the healed of the Lord. Well, that world, that word begins to reproduce in your life because it's supernatural. When, when, you, when you look at your checkbook or your bank account and you declare, I have more than enough, well, you're declaring the seed of the word over that bank account and the seed of the word will begin to reproduce itself in your bank account and it won't be long. You'll have more than enough because the word will produce the results that you're saying when you commit to it. See, you got to commit to God's word like God commits to his word. Jeremiah says that, that he told Jeremiah, he said, you have seen right. He said, because I am watching over my word to perform it. I'm watching over it to make sure it happens. I got to commit to the word that way. Why are you declaring the word? I need to make sure it happens. Amen. Do you see that? And, and, and that's, that's when you're believing for something. That's when you make a mistake. The enemy uses guilt and shame and condemnation to such an effective degree because people don't act like the word's true. Well, what, what do you mean? People will miss it and they allow that guilt and shame and condemnation to come in and they won't go in the presence of God for a month because after all, I, how bad I missed it. So you think staying out of the presence of God will somehow mean that God won't know? Let, let me tell you what, how quick God knew you missed it. Before you missed it. He knew, the Bible says, all of your days have been written in a book. Why do you think he told you before you ever knew about sin? Why do you think he told you that if you sin, if you confess it, he'll forgive it? Why do you think that was there before you ever committed your first sin? Because God knew you were going to sin. So, so what do you do? If you miss it, you confess it. I don't mean you got to confess it to everybody. You confess it to God. Father, I missed it. You know I missed it, and I know I missed it. I confess it. And what did he say he would do? Forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Act like the word is true. 
Amen. We don't need one more condemned, guilt-ridden, shame-ridden Christian that needs everything God has for them and their hard heart stops them from receiving it. Amen. Yeah, but I, I just feel so bad. Good. You should feel bad when you miss it. I don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. Thank God that your heart is still supple before God. And you still have a, an understanding that, that when I miss it and I sin, I sin against God. I don't just sin against people. I sin against God. God. Father, thank you for the convicting power of the Holy Ghost that keeps me right with you. Amen. Did you understand that? But, but what always happens? The peace of God shows up. Is that, am I right? Act like the word's true. I, well, but I just feel so bad. You're never going to feel better if you don't act like the word's true. Everything you do as a believer, you do it by faith. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? There are people in church tonight, you're here by faith. You're here by faith. Sometimes you don't feel like coming to church, and you come by faith. And isn't it interesting? Your faith always gets you something. Got you something tonight. So the word will reproduce itself in your life. Now what I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's no big deal when you miss it. But what I'm saying is act like the word's true. Get back in the presence of God. We teach and we've taught and we keep teaching and, we keep, and we'll keep teaching that your righteousness is not conduct, it's standing with God. And when you miss it, it doesn't change your standing with God. It, God wants you to come and ask Him to forgive you. So, right? So that there's no separation between you and God. Because what I won't repent of will stand between me and God. But what's always the answer? What's always the way out? Help me out. It's repent. If I missed it, repent. If I got offended, repent. If I let my heart get hard towards the Word, repent. Lord, I'm sorry. Amen. I've had to, listen, I'm not perfect. I've had to go to the Lord before and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I blamed you for that. Lord, I put you on the wrong end of this. Amen. I know you've never done that, but. Right? Questions, questions come to try to harden your heart. Amen. I've got teachers in here. Pastor Marie's a teacher, and, and, uh, and, 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 and I have a six-year-old, so I know how it can be. Have you, have you ever seen a child, and you're asking them a question, and they're, try, and they're trying so hard, and they're focused on, watch, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And you're saying, wait a minute. Look, it's this plus this equals, ah, I don't know. Do you see what's happened? What They're blind. Right? Where, where's the answer in the problem? If you take two plus two, what do you get? Four. So what do they have to do? Two plus two. But if they keep saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, here's what they're eventually going to say. I'm not good at math. Then it'll be, I don't like math. Then it'll be, I hate math. What just happened? Their heart's hardened. 
that make sense? So what do you got to do? You got to break it down. Uh, we've been working on spelling tests, right? And, and, you know, six-year-old spelling words. Wow, fit, fat, fed, four, right? And you can say a word, all right, spell fit. I, I don't know. Okay, let's sound it out. It, it. Oh, F-I-T. See, you knew. You're a good speller. Right? Does that make sense? And so somebody will begin to work the word and the enemy will raise up against it. Amen. And, and the temptation is, I can't do this. Yes, you can. Don't let your heart get hardened to the word. Amen. Look at, look at Mark 4. We'll be done. I got 10 minutes. We'll be done with our hour of power. I don't know what you're chuckling at. I can get you out of here in an hour, get you to your sandwich. I might want to get a sandwich myself. Amen. <laughs> Isn't God good? I'm glad you came to church on a Wednesday. Amen. You need to come to church on Wednesday. We have a lot of good things going on on Wednesday. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. Now, we're skipping all the way to the end of this parable. We'll, we'll be digging into this in depth on Sunday morning. But he says, Jesus says, these are they that are sown on good ground. That's where you say, that's me. That's say it out loud. I'm good, I'm good ground. Notice, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. They hear the word. They receive the word. The word receive is welcome, the word. The word works best for people who are thrilled with the word. I'm thrilled with the word. One of the scriptures I read consistently is from the book of Psalm 119. And it says, I rejoice over your word like one who's found great treasure. Now you do that by faith. I'm rejoicing over the word like I found great treasure. I'm thrilled with the word. Amen. And, and you add that to your prayer time. I thank you. I rejoice right now over your word like somebody that found great treasure. Lord, I thank you. Woo, I'm so excited with your word. I'm so, I'm so thrilled with your word. Pastor, you really do that? I really do that. Why? Because I want to stir myself up about the word of God. Amen. Now, they welcome the word and then notice what they do. They bring forth fruit from the word. 30-fold, 60-fold, a hundredfold. Understand, the word is designed to produce because it is a seed. The Bible says that you were not born again with corruptible things like silver and gold, but by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. All right? So the word is a seed, and it's designed to produce because it's a seed. All seeds are designed to produce. Any seed. I don't care what seed it is. It's designed to produce. When it comes in contact with the earth, it's designed to produce. You don't have to make a seed grow. Seed wants to grow. All right? I, I can cultivate it. I can help it along. I can aid it. All right? I can make sure that, that, that the conditions are good, but the seed does the growing. All right? Your commitment 
to that seed determines how much it produces. Now, this, this is what's so important. These results are the result of the commitment of the hearer to the word that was sown. Some people committed to the level that they got 30-fold. Some people committed and got 60. But there were some that committed and got 100-fold. Those are not designations, meaning that there are 30-fold Christians and 60-fold Christians and 100-fold Christians. Understand, there are Christians that only receive 30-fold. That doesn't mean they're a 30-fold Christian. They can be a 100-fold Christian. It, it, it's up to me. Amen. You know, I got a vivid illustration of this, this whole chapter here, if, you, if you'll bear with me. I got one more comment after this. Of, of, it says there, that there, was, uh, uh, there wasn't much earth in one of these grounds. They, they have no root, verse 17, they have no root in themselves. And uh, Lily and I got some uh, 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 planter boxes. Uh, Arkansas is a lot like Oklahoma. It's real rocky soil. And so, uh, you know, you dig down about that far and you hit rock. And so, you know, we had to get some planter boxes and, and, and we were planting some cucumbers and watermelon and, and, and whatnot. Well, I planted my cucumbers and I got a vine. The vine sprouted and I even got a, got a few flowers on it. But uh, I found something out. I didn't have enough dirt. It reached its end, right? So I got a result, but I didn't get the full potential of the seed. I'll get it this year when we put more dirt in it, all right? See, do you understand why I'm saying that? I learned why I didn't get the maximum return on my seed sown. Because there's some, somewhere that I, I didn't do what I should have done. The word can and will produce a hundredfold in the life of every believer that will commit to it. Amen. I was talking to Michelle the other day. And I said, you know, we're just committing to the word that we're going to get a hundred percent return on the word in our lives. You can do that. I'm going to get a hundred percent return. Why? The word will work to the level that you commit to it. That's it. Amen. And you got to remind yourself, I'm committed to the word. No, I'm not going to think that way, talk that way, act that way. I'm committed to the word. You might have to look in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm committed to the word. You listen to me, I'm committed to the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. When a challenge comes up in our house, we just all get together and I stand in the living room and I say, look, we're word people. We're committed to the Word, and the Word's going to work for us, period. Amen. That, that's, that's, that's how it is. If, if, I'll close with this. If, if you start looking at the financial shortfall, you'll commit to that. There are people that are committed to struggling. They're committed to it. And, and what they try to do is work more hours, get a second job, make more money. They're, they're committed to the struggle. Well, I've got to work two jobs because it's so hard. They're committed to the struggle. I don't struggle. 
So you should try that. Try that. Say that out loud. I don't struggle. I had a, I had a minister get so, I got, had a minister get angry with me because he would talk to me about his struggles. And I said, brother, I don't struggle. And, and I'm not trying to be arrogant. I don't struggle. I choose not to struggle. Jesus struggled for me. Well, how do you know that? Because, because he was very rich, he became poor so that you through his poverty might be rich. Jesus became poor for me. I'm not going to struggle. And one, and one day we were talking about somebody in the church, and I said, I've really been praying for them because they're really facing a challenge. And he said, oh, are they struggling? And I said, no, they're just facing a challenge. And he would say things like, oh, I forgot you don't struggle. I don't. Do you know he did consistently? He was committed to the struggle. If the Bible says this is the rest wherein the weary might rest, if Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, what would that entail? All you that are struggling, come to me, and I'll end your struggle. Mm, Hallelujah. You know, I I got up Monday morning, and uh, uh, Pastor Michelle never never calls me the time she, she called me at 5 o'clock Monday morning, and uh, she never calls me that early, that's, that's about the time she gets up to pray and study. And uh, she called me, and she said, uh, uh, you know, the, the for, told me the forecast and, and what time this ice was supposed to be in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Rogers, right around that area. And uh, it was supposed to be there about 11. Well, you know, if I leave Lenexa at 6, I can be in Fayetteville usually by 9. It's about three hours, halfway point. But... Uh, uh, you know, here's the point. We just both sensed in our spirit, I, I just don't need to do that. You know, because, you know, you never have to be anywhere. And so here, here's the point. I'm, I'm making a point. So right there, that, that feeling of, oh, I, I had plans. I had things, you know, things that we were going to do, not just in the family, just the ministry. And immediately I grabbed that and I said, whoop, wait a minute. That's why I've got two houses. That's why I've got two offices. Everything I was going to do there, I can do here. Right? What? What? Watch. Pulled that over and said, nope, we're not going to be anxious about anything. Amen. And it's been a glorious week. Going to be a, an even better week moving forward. Why? We commit to the word. Think about how good your life has been since you got a hold of the word, you can expect it to get better because your commitment to the word and the word says you go from glory to glory. So was today a good day? Tomorrow's going to be better. How do I know? Because the word says so. Let's stand up, shall we? Amen. Hallelujah.